Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Disky Discussions. I'm your host, A.B. Basson. In this week's episode, I'm joined by award-winning kickoff journalist and African football expert, Lawrence Koller. We dissect the 2020-21 DSTV Premiership season, discuss where it went wrong for Gavin Hunt at Kaiser Chiefs, what the future holds for serial winner Pizzo Musamane, and much, much more. Lawrence, thanks for joining me on Disky Discussions. Uh, obviously, the season is done and dusted. The DSTV Premiership season, we still have CAF Champions League football to come, and you know, especially Kaiser Chiefs fans are excited with their semi-final coming up. But firstly, let's maybe reflect on the DSTV Premiership season. I think it was a no doubt, really, that Sundowns would win the league again. Um, I think I chatted to you a few months ago, and I think we singled out Sundowns as clear winners. I think most people felt like that. There was a bit of a scare for them when Amazulu went on that incredible run. Um, but what did you make yeah. of the season? And, and do you think Sundowns are just that difficult to catch at this point in time? Yeah. Firstly, thank you for inviting me to Dusky Discussions. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I think I, I do recall we, we, we spoke before the season started and we... We touted uh, Pirates as, you know, one of the teams that could definitely challenge Sundowns, which obviously didn't happen. We had high hopes for Chiefs as well because of, you know, Gavin Hunt's record. And we knew that, you know, he's worked with less resources and that probably favoured um, Chiefs in a sense of like, you know, having a transfer ban or whatever. But like that also didn't work out as we, we thought it would have done. So it was obviously a very interesting season in terms of, I would say there was unexpected and there was expected. With Sundowns, the, the issue would always have been, we, we spoke in length about, you know, how are they going to make it work with these, um, you know, the, the, the trio, um, with the co-coaches. We know they won the league before in that way with Tovi and Gamondi, but it's, 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 you know, it's unique. It's, it's not used often. And we just thought, you know, with Rulani, Mangoba and uh, Steve Kumpela coming in as the first team coach. It's just, they're so different now. They make it work and they did really well, obviously. Record-breaking season. No away no away defeats. One defeat only to Chiefs this entire season. So that deserves a lot of credit. Um, people can say what they want about, you know, having a good team and following on from Pizzo's, um, you know, legacy and success. But they also deserve credit for transforming the way Sundowns played. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been an amazing season. A lot of, you know, subplots, a lot of unexpected things. And talk about Chalulile, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, Augustine Molenga, Benny McCarthy. Yeah, it's been it's been a very interesting season. And for most of it, I think it's been great to see a lot of people scoring goals. Um, I know people are saying, ah, oh, there wasn't a 20-goal mark, but 16 goals for the top scorer in, I think, 20, 25, 26 games is a good record. And one of the issues that I feel in the past is that many people are comparing our 30-team, you know, game, league, league games um, to 38 league games um, of like the Premier League and, and we, we can't do that. So I think it was a good goal return for many of the of the players as well. Yeah, it's it's great to make that point because I think this season there's been consistency in scoring. I mean, we've, we've seen in seasons past, you know, we have a, a scorer that might for, for two months score all these goals. I remember Bernard Parker almost winning Golden Boot and he didn't score in the fast past, you know, the last few weeks of the season. Um, but, yeah. you know, Bradley Grobler scored consistency. Shalulile scored consistency. Okay, Kutumela had a, a, a spell where he scored yeah. a lot of goals. Um, yeah. But obviously, that's very good to see. And, um, you know, what did you make of that? And, you know, that bodes really well, I think, for, for a league that 
we like to brand as exciting. Yeah, it is definitely exciting. Look, if you look in our, you know, for like somebody like Shailu Lila in all competitions, you know, he was a clear favorite for football of the season and players player of the season because I think he had 30 goal contributions in 38 games, um, 20 goals, and I think 10 assists. I'm not, I'm not too sure on the numbers, but it was a, a very good return in all competitions. And if you take that numbers into context compared to, I think the 14 or 15 goals he has in the league, it's, it's a completely different picture. And that's what people not, don't always look at. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of other players that you can mention. Fakhri Lakais, um, Datsane from Cape Town City. Um, there's a guy from, uh, was it Golden Arrows, I think, that was also amongst the top scorers. I can't get to his name now. But there was a lot of players that, you know, were in and around their seven, eight, nine goals. And that was very, very pleasing to see. Um, and yeah, in previous years, and you know, like Chamanga, Chris Katongo, these guys will score 15 goals in the first, you know, 16, 17 games and then they'll just not score again or even get a transfer abroad in January and still win the golden boot. So yeah, it was very, very easy. And I think the big difference this season has been, okay, COVID, there was a regular fixtures because it was a, a compressed season. But so there was that, 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 that um, chance to get that consistency. But there wasn't a telecom knockout. Um, and I think these having a, a big amount of, you know, cup competitions is what really takes them out of their, their rhythm of scoring in the league often because you'll have an absolute premiership game and then you'll have a cup game and then international break, for example. And then these guys, between two league games, it's been like three weeks or a month, if you know what I mean. And that's been the biggest issue. So, you know, just not having the Talcom knockout has probably helped many players find more form and consistency in the league. Amazulu in the end finished second. Um, I think a lot of people didn't expect that. Most people didn't expect that. Um, you know, when Benny mm. came in, uh, you know, we know Benny's pedigree, especially as a goal scorer and what he did at Cape Town City. Great coach, great motivator. Um, what did you, what's, what surprised you of, of Amazulu and how they played? And, and do you see them being challenges against, again next season? Because the thing is, now the surprise factor is out the window. Yeah. Look, Amazulu, I was definitely surprised about um, in a sense of, look, there was a definitely a feel-good factor. I knew from the start Ayanda Lamini was probably not the one to take them with Sandile Zungu wanted to take them, which was top four. When Benny took over in December, they were 12. Um, there was obviously a good feeling. Benny's a legend. He did well at Cape Town City, but there were question marks, and we can't deny there were question marks about whether he is the real deal, whether maybe he inherited a Cape Town City team that he just needed to motivate a little bit to do well. But I think he's made a lot of people eat humble pie because that 16-game, you know, unbeaten run was incredible for a team like Amazulu. And if you look at it, there's a lot of misfits in the team like Mulenga, uh, Mamela, uh, Makuola, who's, you know, played for Free State Stars and things like that. These guys that, you know, would be deemed as average players that wouldn't really, you know, walk into a big three starting 11 now. So for him to get second place, it's a remarkable achievement. But I think overall with Amazulu, that their style of play has been exciting. Um, they haven't scored a lot of goals, but the Cape Town City was the exception. We, they hammered Cape Town City. But I think there, there was just some some sort of like, I want to prove something and, and he let the players, you know, do exactly that. But yeah, the... Amazulu technical team with Munib Joseph, Pele, Nombete. It's just, it's just a feel-good factor about them. And it's, um, 
it's something that many South Africans want to see. They want to see the legends giving back to, to, to football and to see the success that they've had. It's obviously now going to make more noise for, 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 the, for the bloggers and for the supporters to say, you know, why is uh, Lucas Radebe not in? Why is so-and-so? You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, in, in retrospect for next season, um, it's, it's definitely going to be tough, you know, with Baxter back now at Chiefs. Um, there's going to be a target on Amazulu's back. They're going to have to play calf. They're going to have to, you know, travel the entire continent. It's going to take its toll on them. But I do believe that the entire squad, they're at that age now. We don't know who they're going to bring in yet, but they are at that age now where they want to leave a legacy. Like I said, they were misfits, people who didn't really fulfill their potential. And this is a type of challenge that they'll probably be hungry for um, to take themselves to the next level. I don't think they'll win the title, obviously, because... The season was just like incredible. Everything went right for them. But just to play in the Champions League will be something that will be amazing for them. And um, it, it all depends on who Zungu um, helps Benny bring into the club now. Do they bring in, you know, young, talented players? Do they bring in established players? What foreigners do they get? And and, and that's the big, the big um, you know, question mark of uh, their transfer policy and how ambitious they really are. I think one unsurprising thing was was Black Leopards getting relegated, considering how they've struggled, you know, in seasons gone by. They were in the playoffs last season. And obviously Chippa in the playoff spot, we still don't know who they're going to play. Um, but the way, yeah. you know, the way that club is run with the chopping and changing of coaches is is probably not the best way to run a football club. Um, were you so obviously not surprised by Black Leopards going down? What did you make of their season and, and Chippa United as well? And do you think whoever they play in the playoff, they'll be too strong for, you know, be it Sukakuna or, or Royal AM or Richards Bay? Obviously. Yeah, we, we don't even know who they, they're going to play in the, in the playoff now because like uh, the DC thing now, we're obviously waiting. Who's the champions? Is it Sukakuna? Is it Royal AM? And I don't know if I am allowed to say this, but this, I'll just say it in a general way, but there is some allegations of match fixing in one of those teams um, in and around there, which could come to light, you know, in the next few days or next few weeks, which would have a huge effect on the entire thing. And it's not just the Sekukune thing is down there in the, in the Glad Africa Championship. There are many other teams now that's coming forward and saying, yeah, we, we must get points for this and we must get... And it's, 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 it's going to get ugly. I mean, Cape Town Spurs could even get relegated instead of Steenberg now. And and that could be it could be catastrophic for South African football to so just this boardroom battles and it's like there seems like there's no control and there's no like nobody's respecting the rules. The like, rules are there for a reason and they're not being enforced. And we need to find out why this is happening and why this is happening so you know regularly. Um, but yeah, going to your your actual question of black leopards, we're obviously not surprised. They're changing coaches all the time, like Chapa. Um, there's many times where you look at Leopards and you think there's quality players there. Every Leopards team you see in the PSL over the past few mm-hmm. years, those players end up going to big teams. They end up being regulars in the PSL. They, they're developing the players. They have the players, but they're just not keeping them and they're just not keeping the coaches to actually build something every six, not even six months, every few months, the new coaching. Like, either we are not seeing something like, for example, if you have Dylan Kerr as your coach, you know this guy is going to keep you up. 
You know this guy's going to build something. You know this guy's won titles in Kenya with Goma here. You know he's managed, you know, Simba. He's managed big clubs. And he's just going to go to your rivals and save them. It's, it's, it's like we sometimes we just don't understand what people are thinking. So they deserve to be relegated because look at that care, that Siema, that Papich, that I don't know, that so I lose count. And with Chapa, it's the same as well. Chapa yeah. in and out, in and out. So many good players going in, so many good players going out. It's, they, uh, for example, Chapa and Black Leopards, I wouldn't say or any better than, let's say, TS Galaxy, for example, in terms of squad personnel. But it's just TS Galaxy as a sober coach now and a sober owner that say, okay, our um, Dan Malisela thing didn't work out. Let's get ODG. Somebody who's trusted is going to do the job, is going to keep us up. And, 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 you know, the Sam Allardyce, uh, the Roy Hodgson vibe for solidity into, into the squad. And that, that's the only way to, to you know, get... Um, success um, yeah. based on what, what, what your, your targets are, whether it's retaining your status or, you know, getting a top eight or something like that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah, um, honestly, with Chapa right now, they don't even have a manager. I think they sacked Erich now. I don't know. Where yeah, I mean, Siemma's... What is I mean? See, I've heard Siemma's there, but he's not there. I mean, Dan Malicella could be there for, for all we know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we don't know what's going on there. Seema might save them and then he's the coach again or he might get relegated and he's not the coach. And you can't determine like, oh, this guy's not good enough for the club because he lost two games. It's, it doesn't work like that. Um, it's about having a vision and about having a philosophy and getting the right coach, you know, to to, to implement that and just backing him. It's, yeah. it's not that difficult, especially when you're not at the big three fighting for titles where you expected to win. Um, so they just need to rearrange the goals and the philosophies and say, what, what do we want to achieve? And then, you know, go with that. And so, like I say, like these guys that's coming from the Glad Africa Championship, they want to prove something. They're desperate to come into the, the PSL. Um, so with so much uncertainty and negativity around Chippa, it might be very hard for them to, to come back from this. Because the Chiefs had a vision and a mission at the start of the season after coming second, you know, the final day of last season. Uh, Gavin Hunt, obviously a, a proven coach in South Africa, you know, won a lot of titles at Supersport United. Where do you think it went wrong for him? The transfer ban didn't work. Um, but in the end, you know, he left a team that 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 made the top eight, but he, he left a team that were, you know, I think a ninth or tenth. At the time, mm. um, what did you make of his tenure at Kaiser Chiefs? And you know, obviously, what what is next for him? Do you see him going back to SuperSport maybe in the future? Um, or you know, it's very <coughs> difficult for a coach like him who's got a you know a substantial pedigree in South African football. Yeah, look, Hans not going to be short of suitors now. Like you said, he's got good pedigree, four-time league winner. Things just went wrong for him at Chiefs and we need to acknowledge that. Um, I think with him, he struggled to to manage the squad because of, you know, CAF and COVID and like he couldn't play the same lineup every week. We know that. And at many times, I don't think he still knows what his best lineup was till the day that he left. Um, he didn't know what you know, style to play to to be effective. In the Champions League, you knew, you know, keep it solid at the back, play a slow build-up, you know, 
eat, eat some diagonals at Nurkovic or Castro was on top. There was a clear vision of like, okay, we're going to play like this. Let's grind out results. And he tried it in the PSL. Sometimes he tried to, you know, be more open um, against the smaller teams and that's where they struggled. Um, you know, against the Chiefs, I mean, against the, the Sundowns and um, Pirates, they, they got the results. And that showed you when their back's against the wall, when they know their plan is let's keep it solid at the back end and let's try and, and get these guys on the counter or with set pieces, it worked out. But when you try to become more, more expansive with Noble and some of these youngsters coming in, then it, it became a bit more difficult because it was just these lapses of concentration of, you know, not having this experienced team together. Like when Baxter was, you know, dominating with Chiefs, you know, you, you had these guys like Ye, Shaba, Katsande in their prime, Lebese, these youngsters at the time, Masango, you know, exciting players who all knew their role. But yeah, it was just, it was like, okay, very inexperienced players and players coming to the end of their careers. And it didn't, it, it just didn't gel well for him. But yeah, like I said, he won't, he won't be short of suitors. I know Pirates, Pirates are definitely, you know, considering him. Um, with Jay-Z's future uncertain, there's like other couple of names that's been linked with it. With the club, but we know Koza as soon as goes into mainstream media, he, he will just end negotiations with that, that coach or whatever. He likes to, you know, have a trustworthy coach that, you know, doesn't speak to the media or leaks things or I don't know what it is actually, but you can see from the past was Micho came unexpectedly, John Vred came unexpectedly, Jay-Z came unexpectedly. Uh, There's it it, a lot of coaches, but yeah, I think it's with Pirates, we know what to expect. If you, if you don't win trophies, yeah. he won a trophy, but the fans aren't happy. He's definitely going to go. Um, they, I don't think that they've had a coach for three years since Ruud Kroon. And before that, it's always been one year, two year, one year, two year. So they're not in the business also finding that, you know, that consistency or it's the results will get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It works for teams like Chelsea, so yeah, maybe that's true. what I'm to do. <laughs> uh, Jay-Z is not Jacob Zuma for those who are not familiar with South African football. Um, you think for a guy like Gavin Hunt, it worked at a team like at Bitvisbits and Supersport where you're not, where there's not the burden of having to play exciting football, even though his teams did score goals, um, that, that mm. game against Sundowns in the MC8 final always comes to mind. Um, do you yeah. think you struggled with that at Kaiser of Chiefs where there's almost like you have to play a certain brand of football? I look for the hunt. <clears throat> I think there's a big misconception with hunt and Baxter's type of football, uh, helicopter football, route one. They can only play they can only play with the players that they have at the disposal. And if their players are route one footballers, they're gonna play route one football. Javelin football. <laughs> Javelin football, yeah. Like, like I, even I thought, I fell into the trap of thinking Baxter, I'm, I know I'm going off topic, but that Baxter is a Javelin, Route 1 football. And then when you watch these teams live, you realize, hey, well, it isn't what they, what you see on TV. You might see highlights of them scoring irregularly like that, but for the game, you'll notice that Baxter Hunt and Pizzo actually have a very similar approach to the way they play football. It's they like short passes when they have technical players. But every now and then you'll see poof, they'll pump a, a 20, 30, 40 yard ball, you know, to a diagonal to, to the corner and the wingers 
get um, make the use of the space. They get in behind of defenses and things like that. So like Pizzo has never been, you know, the tikka taka guy as much as people say it is. Be honest, Pizzo Kekana was hitting that diagonals all the time, and um, yeah, like it's it's just the 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 perception that that sometimes you know messes up our brains. But yeah, with with Han, um, with Super Sport, like you said. The difference there is not only that there wasn't more pressure or, or, or um, the burden of, of having to win trophies, but it was rather he had full control, if you know what I mean. Like, mm. if he wanted a player, that player was coming in. Chiefs, obviously, there was a transfer ban now, and I think the main reason mm. why he got sacked is he gave a list of players, and that list of players weren't the players that were going to come in. You know what I mean? And that's probably not just the fact that they did terribly in the domestic league, but it was that, like, I know he didn't want Hamaldin, for example, but Hamaldin was being signed. Um, and there's a couple other players that perhaps, um, you know, agents had an agreement with Bobby even before um, Hunt came in and he perhaps didn't want those players. So, yeah, I think it was just a factor of, like, with Hunt, Mangoba said it perfectly this week. You know what you're getting with him. You know what style you're going to get with him, and he's going to win trophies like that. So if you're hiring him, give him the players. And the fact that they didn't give him the players, they probably thought, okay, we made a mistake. Let's just end it there. And yeah. now you will go to a different team, you'll go to a Swallows, you'll go to a Super Sport, and you'll challenge for the title in two or three seasons' time. It's just how it is. So that brought Stuart Baxter back to Naturena. Um, I don't think it was as big a surprise in the end, um, considering he was yeah. there for the taking. Um, and he, he was very successful uh, between 2012 and 15. Uh, you know, last guy to win them trophies, um, you know, pedigree in South African football, one with super sports, obviously knows the game very well in, his, in South Africa, having coached Bafana, Bafana. Um, what does he bring back to, to Kaiser Chiefs? And do you see them, you know, challenging for the title next season and finishing off, you know, what, what Hunt started in the Champions League? I think we all forget that, you know, they still got three very important games coming up in the Champions League, which could define Kaiser Chiefs as a club. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's much expectation for the Champions League with him. I know Baxter, he didn't have a particularly good record in the Champions League with Chiefs or Supersport um, in the Confederations Cup. Um, experience, like I said, he's won the league um, with Chiefs twice. He's won the Nedbank Cup with Supersport. Um, he took Pofana to the quarterfinals of AFCON, so he knows how to you know, travel in Africa. That's, that's not something new to him. And I just think that he comes there with a with a different sort of pedigree in terms of how can I put this? He's been there at the club already. He knows how the club works. He's worked with Bobby before, and I think there will be a little bit more trust with Baxter than there was with Hunt. Um, maybe Hunt was a prickly character and didn't you know take shit for for lack of a better phrase. Um, when it comes to, you know, dealing with, with, with the hierarchy and Baxter is a more, you know, how can I say, diplomatic. He's also, you know, he also puts his foot down, but I'm saying like he's, he knows how to work with the management. And mm -hmm. I think 
that type of culture and that type of environment working with Nseki that he's worked with before is going to rub off on the players where there's a more positive environment, where there's more relaxed, where they perhaps, you know, all they need to focus on is just getting results on the pitch. And sometimes, you know, you just need a new manager like Chelsea, for example, as well. I hate to bring them up again. I don't particularly like them. But they got two children now and they, they look like a completely different team with the same players that Frank Lampard had. Um, I'm not saying that Chiefs have a quality squad that can win the league, um, but they will obviously have much better quality next season. And it's just for Baxter now to put those you know, final pieces of the puzzle together and make them play the way he wants to play. And I'm no... I'm, I'm certain that he will, you know, have his own targets as well. Um, but one thing about Baxter, he always does well wherever he is. Um, I know people, he wasn't people's favorite at Bofana, but he did the job that was expected of him, which was qualify for AFCON and we got beyond the group stage. And at Chiefs and at Supersport, Baxter's teams always look like a team that was capable of competing, and that's that's the biggest factor that I need to to to, to try and implement into this conversation. Is that yeah, Hans Chiefs didn't look like they could compete from day one in the PSL, and that probably was a big problem. Like we that three 0 loss to Sundowns, it set the tone for this. These guys are not going to compete, and the way he spoke, uh, you know, I don't have the players. Uh, you know what the problem is, but I can't say it. It's that type of, you know, negativity that that, that wrapped into the squad and that you're not going to have it with Baxter. If Baxter wasn't capable or wasn't doesn't think he's capable of bringing the club success, he wouldn't have come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that is going to be the his message to the team. Like, guys, I'm back here for a reason. I believe in you. And that's when you will see a different, you know, a different guy's achieves again. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I mean, what we will give to to qualify for Afcon again? And um, this feel like good old days. Uh, <laughs> before we, we move on to to CAF Champions League football and uh, talk a bit about Bafana Bafana, maybe let's just mention Peter Shalulile. Um, just one yeah. last time, he is our player of the season in the STV Premiership. Uh, it's not easy going to a big team like Sundowns. Uh, we've seen in the years go by. You know, a lot of players going then really struggling for game time, especially in their first season. But he just, I mean, adapted straight away, um, scored goals, linked yeah. up with guys like Tim Bazwane. And uh, it looks like he's been playing for Sundowns for years. I mean, what type of character is Peter Shalulile? He looks like a real hard worker. Um, chases, yeah. lost, chases lost causes and, you know, scores goals, which is what you want in the end of the day. Yeah, like said, it was almost the goal contributions it's ridiculous in terms of what we've seen in the past in the PSL. I mean, how many players have Sundown signed for huge sums of money that didn't, you know, bring that type of contribution or that type of influence in the team? And I didn't know, I knew Shalulile was good, but I know I, I would never have better than him doing this well this season. Like, even though he's scoring goals and he's the most important player, he's the footballer of the season, you just look at him and sometimes you're like, how? Like, his first time, like, he's not the most technically gifted of players. Like, he doesn't look classy, but he just gets the job done. And you, you sit there and you're like, how is this guy doing this? You know what I mean? Why can't less talented players have done this at sundowns? And it's just probably mentality 
work ethic and knowing his role. I mean, I think I did a, another segment with Nick said previously, and he said this guy was a left back in Namibia that Jeez. somehow became a striker. So he's right-footed, so you know what right-footed <laughs> and left-back means. Yeah. means that he wasn't such a good player. <laughs> um, so when you are coming, kudos to Highlands Park for, for discovering this guy. And I think what's what the biggest factor around him and most of the Namibians that come here into South Africa is that they're so hardworking. And that they don't give, they don't, they don't take anything for granted. Um, him and Otto's personality is just very infectious. They're just such funny, good guys, and they're just loving life all the time. They're not prima donnas. They're not like, oh, I'm a superstar. They just, they just generally love and respect yeah, having the opportunity to play in South African football and earning a good living at two of the biggest clubs um, in the league. So yeah, in terms of Shalulile, like mad respect for him, and I'm I'm sure Sundowns will be fielding a couple of offers for him in the in the off season because it's it's been one of the best you know individual campaigns that I've seen for a striker in a very very long time in South African football. Yeah, most definitely. I think a good segue from Sundowns is to go to Al Ahly, uh, where Pizza Mosamani mm. is doing extremely well. Um, won three trophies mm. already. Uh, obviously, we we know his pedigree as as a South African coach, having you know had success at SuperSport United, and then going to Sundowns and you know mm-hmm. turning them into the juggernaut that they are. I mean, you know, it's yeah. no taking away from the impact he had at the club. Um, how difficult mm-hmm. is it for a foreign coach, especially an African coach, going to a mm-hmm. team like Al Ahly? For those who don't know and aren't familiar with the pedigree of Al Ahly, and you know, I, I think as South Africans, we always think your Chiefs, Pirates, Sundowns, they're such big clubs, but we, we forget Al Ahly are, are the biggest, probably by far, on the African continent. Yeah. You just look at their following, you look at their sponsors, you look at their, you know, not, not only on the African continent, their pedigree in world football, I think two third place finishes at the Club World Cup. How, how proud does it make you to see Pizzo there and uh, and seeing him achieve things? I mean, they could win another Champions League title under them this season. Yeah, look, it's a match made in heaven, in my opinion, because as a serial winner as a coach, he won his 16th trophy um, with the CAF Super Cup. And it's a club that just a history of just winning trophies every season. It's just a thing. It's a given. You're going to win trophies at Al-Akhli. And like, if you if you want to make a comparison or an analogy, sometimes when you look at like Guardiola and uh, Klopp, or I'm not say Klopp, I'd say Guardiola, for example, and you're like, this guy's won like so many trophies in every 12 games, whatever the stat is. It just looks like, it's just it just looks easy. You know what I mean? It just looks easy for them. And it's not, but that's testament to their level and pedigrees that, they make these things look easy. It's not easy winning the CAF Champions League. It's not easy winning the Egyptian Cup. It's not easy winning the CAF Super Cup. And they're making this now. Oh, they're not playing well. They're not playing well. But they're making these 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 triumphs look like okay. We're not even playing well, and we're still winning trophies. That's that's scary. Um, and if you look like I think this week Al Ahly erected a new. Uh, a new cabinet in their foyer because they're running out of space for trophies. And Pizzo even commented on it like, yeah, you must make a new cabinet for Jingles Corners because they're going to keep coming. And that's the confidence that he's at right now where should he not work out at Al-Akhli, he's going to walk into an Esperanza where we died and he'll continue doing the same. 
he's at that level now where he's, 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 he's outgrown South African football and he's just going to be on the pursuit of, you know, you know, legendary status where you can't deny that he's the greatest, you know, he's on the route of being the greatest African manager of all time. And it's, it's so hard to, to, to walk in the, to Al-Akhli. I mean, many coaches have come and gone there in Egyptian football overall, like Martin Yol, Alex McLeish, these top managers who managed in the Premier League and they haven't even had the success that Pizzo's had. Um, he's the first black manager, he's the first African manager um, that's not Egyptian to be at Al-Akhli as well. So the fact that they've entrusted him one and the fact that he's getting the respect from the players that they all, like they love him and they they understand he's like, they're buying into his philosophy and that's the most important thing. So it's clear to see that, okay, it's not going to last forever. But the fact that he's, you know, into his second season and he looks like he's going to uh, operation fight Alice there as well. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. If he's just there two seasons, his legacy is cemented at that club forever because he's going to win a lot of trophies so yeah it's 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 good and exciting and i I honestly hope that he sees out the season and he gets a you know a a thank you contract that um not many other coaches as i received i don't think al-akhli just gives one year contracts usually and they gave him a two-year which was a show of faith already what is the next step for a guy like Pizzo? I mean, Al-Akhli are the biggest team on, on, on the continent, no doubt about that. And now he's won trophies. So wherever he goes next, I mean, it's different, difficult to comprehend, you know, where would you go next? Because, you know, it's not like you'll leave Al-Akhli as a failure. I mean, even if he leaves today, yeah. he'll leave, he leave for me, in my eyes, in any case, as a success because, I mean, yeah. Malik and Al-Akhli like to fire coaches after a month or two. Um do you see him going to, I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, maybe one of those countries, or, you know, maybe venturing into Europe, who knows? That would be great to see. I think, look, it depends on what he wants to achieve after Al-Akhli, or what, maybe he wants to be the next Manuel Jose and win 10 Champions League titles, or six Champions League titles at Al-Akhli. You never know. It could happen. It could be the chosen one, the special one. But yeah, it depends on what he wants to achieve. Does he want to be that, you know, that guy to open doors for black coaches in Europe, African black coaches? Or does he want to chase success um, in North Africa or go to TP Mazembe or wherever? Or does he want to go to Asian football and test himself there? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it all depends. Like, what does Pitster want? But I do foresee him, you know, trying to go on this African journey of, you know, Algeria, perhaps, or Morocco and Tunisia. That's what I foresee for him. But if money calls in the in the Gulf or in the Middle East, then, you know, uh, Al-Sad, his former club already gave him a Pizza Musimane number 10 shirt. So maybe that's in his next step. You never know. He might replace Zavi one day. I had a, before we move on uh, to Bafana Bafana, I'd just like to get your thoughts on, um, you know, there was this big discussion of a European Super League. Um, do you think mm. that is something that we can maybe achieve in an African context? Obviously, we'd still like to see the CAF Champions League because there's a lot of history. But do you look at clubs yeah. like TP Mazembe, Al-Akhli, Zamalek, you know, Kaiser Chiefs, Pirates, Sundowns, maybe yeah. guys like Simba, um, etc. Mm. Do you think... That could be beneficial for an African market, you know, where we have European countries buying into something like that. And that would maybe, you know, really grow the game to a different level on the continent. 
perhaps it's the only thing that could save CAF right now in terms of sponsorship and resource because it's looking very bleak at the moment in terms of that. We all know the issues that's, you know, the Lagarde debacle of losing a 10, 10 billion, it was $10 billion contract over 10 years or something like that, $5 billion. Um, they, they're in a bad space, so it could mean that something like a Super League that's going to attract a lot of investment and sponsorship is imperative rather than a decision. Um, whether it will be success or not, you know, Africa is a huge continent. It's not like Europe where you can take a bus or a train. Like, I know for one, I'm not going to get onto a, you know, a plane to to Congo. It's just, it's. I mean, it's not, I can't afford to do things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even though I would like to do it. So I don't know how how much fans would be available to do something like that and travel across the continent. But in terms of revenue and TV rights and sponsorship potential, it, it is a good idea and to probably transform the way football and professional football is run and looked at in Africa. But like I said, yeah, it's, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons and it's something that we obviously can, we can talk and debate about for, for hours. Yeah, I think that's a good discussion for another day. Uh, before we leave, yeah. maybe let's just t- touch on Bafana. Bafana, obviously, in action against Uganda. Um, this podcast will come out after this game, but um, mm-hmm. I don't think we can take much from that game. I looked at the starting 11 and I was like, geez, did I actually watch that African football? Obviously, <laughs> it doesn't help with the COVID 19 tests, Percy Town not playing, etc. Um, positive tests. Um, what do you think? What's the way forward for Bafana Bafana after our of Fcon failure? And do you actually have any hope of us qualifying for for the World Cup, which you know the qualifiers are, are just around the corner now? Yeah, it's, look, it's too early to say. Like if I look at the squad, it doesn't really inspire me. Like it's good mm-hmm. that there's new faces and there's young players, but like you don't look at it like oh, this team can beat the Cameroon or whatever. Like you said, COVID has its effects and. It's better than seeing, you know, 30-year-old PSL stars being in the squad. Let's 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 leave it at that. So when you do play blooding youngsters and they lose, you don't feel as bad because you're like, at least they're trying something different. But if you're playing these guys that you know don't have any potential to move further to Europe or, you know, to become established internationals with 50 plus 60 caps, then you're like, what? We're just wasting our time. But if I look at it, I... They say the comparison is the thief of joy. But compared to other nations, I, I don't see anything promising coming out of Safa. We don't have a don't have a proper technical team with analysts that's full time, physios that's full time. We don't have people monitoring players like you know on a world class level that other countries are doing. And I might be putting them on the pedestal of you know comparing them to Europe, but I mean, if we aren't trying to to strive for being the best in what are we trying to do? Like, do we want to be the best in Kosafa? Do we want to be the best in Africa? Do we want to be the best in the world? It is possible. Okay, football is not rugby, but we know that it is possible if things are done right, if resources are spent properly, if the right people are employed. And I do think Bruce is a good person to perhaps create the structure for the next person to have success. And he says the World Cup shouldn't be a target, but AFCON should be a target. It should be like, if I don't get to AFCON, 
you can kill me, he said in his own words. And um, that shows that he's confident in putting in the structures for South Africa to be competitive in Africa. And that I can respect, you know what I mean? Um, and if you look at the squad here, like I said, it's not very exciting, but we know that the under-23s also, many of the under-23 players would have been in that squad. And once that comes together, I do think that you'll see a more competitive um, South Africa because many of those players are playing abroad and many of those players are like very established in, 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 in big uh, PSL teams. And that, for me, is promising. And I do feel that there's something there that they can work with that, you know, could, you know, challenge some of the, the biggest teams in Africa. Lastly, maybe let's just um, finish on Percy Tau. Percy Tau mania, um, you know, he's much loved in South Africa. It feels a lot of times as if, you know, everything revolves around him and and his success. And we're very happy for him, obviously, in the Premier League. Um, it didn't have the season that we wished in the end. Um, I mean, I remember him starting against, I think, Manchester City. And I was like, geez, you know, maybe he's going to be the guy that's going to fire them to to safety in the end. I think he played six games, one start. Mm. Um, mm. What what's next for Percy Tau? How disappointing would it be for to see him go back to Belgium? I know he was really successful there. Don't get me wrong, and it's a competitive league. But in the end of the day, as South Africans, we want to see our players playing in the Premier League. Yeah, look, if it doesn't work out for him in the Premier League, we can't we can't say anything of like why didn't he stay? Like, in my opinion, the next six months, you just give up the next six months. If he doesn't play, then go. You can't, then you can't say, I didn't try, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and he said he wants to stay, and the club also said he wants to stay, but the rumours now is that the Royal Antwerp is coming in with a formal in Euro offer, and that changes the dynamic a little bit more because he only has one year left on his contract. But for him to go back to Belgium, even if he wins the league there and he's successful, I don't believe that his game will reach another level because he's been to Belgium twice or would be his fourth time if he goes there. The second division, Club Bruges, and Anderlecht for six months. If he does move, he should, you know, go to uh, La Liga or Eredivisie. Test himself in a different country, a different environment, where his game, you know, generates different challenges. And, you know, he picks up, you know, different styles and different languages and cultures where he's out of his comfort zone. Again, not that Premier League is a comfort zone, yeah. But it's like, if you're not going to get the, uh, a chance there, then, you know, try something else. But what we've seen from Tao, he is capable of playing in the Premier League. It's just, it's circumstances, it's luck. It's, you know, he's not on the high wages. He didn't come for a high price. And there are players on high wages that did come on a high price that he's perhaps more inclined and more pressurized to like make a success of all the time. And that, I think that's one of the big factors of why he's not being like forced into the team. Um, and that's unfortunate for him because he's a quality player. And we saw that assist against West Ham a while back. That's what he's capable of. And yeah. the more opportunities you get, the more opportunities all have to develop to become a Premier League, Premier League footballer can't become a Premier League standard footballer by sitting on the bench. So, yeah, like, um, you know, we wouldn't want to see him go down to the championship or fight relegation with uh, Sheffield United or Norwich or whatever. No disrespect to them, but 
we want to see Tao, you know, fighting for titles um, with like, uh, ideally like an Ajax or PSV Eindhoven. But it doesn't always work like that. And it's not to say if he goes to uh, Eibar in the La Liga, that's a team that's, you know, not fancy, the mid-table, the relegation team, that um, he won't be a successful Bafana Bafana anymore. You know what I mean? It's, we've seen many many players from different countries around the world that's, you know, been a success for their national team, even though they were fringe players and even though they played for smaller teams. So it's not the end of the world. And I do think that Tao has, you know, the head on his shoulders that, you know, still wants and burns for, for more success. So, yeah, um, even if the offer for Antwerp comes, I I, I doubt he will, he will want to go back to Belgium unless... You know, they say, okay, you, you're walking into you're the star player or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, we wish him all the best. Thanks, Lawrence. Thanks for your insight and your knowledge. It's, it's much appreciated. And yeah, good luck Good luck for the off-season. I know in, in football journalism, there isn't really an off-season because now it switches over to, you know, the transfer window and, and, and such. And obviously some Champions League football to come. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for everything and, and stay safe, man. Thanks for inviting me and um, I look forward to the next episode. Cool. Cheers, bud. Thank you for listening to another episode of Disky Discussions. If you have any questions or guests you'd like me to have on the show, please hit me up at AB underscore Basson on Twitter or on Instagram. Stay safe, like, subscribe, away.